Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and with me is Mr. Evan Federhoff. Thank you. And Clayton Carver. Hello. Yes, and uh, and just so glad you're along with us. We have so much good stuff in our discussion today as we are spending some time in 1 Samuel, uh, which is rich with so much of the history of, obviously, Samuel, Saul, David, uh, some major characters in the Bible, and also in the Gospel of Luke as we are moving toward the crucifixion. So that's uh, a big-time importance there. Um, but also just want to remind you that Clayton is leading a Bible study on how to interpret the Bible. Uh, and that is on, uh, well, tell us, Clayton, when is it? It's Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. Very good. And and how's it going? It's going wonderful. Oh. I've got very positive feedback. And we have open seats, so please come join us. There you go. It's this, right here at 212 South High Street there yeah. at, uh, on, on the main campus. And at 530, before he does that, I meet together in the fellowship hall right across the hall from where the if you come to First Baptist, it's downstairs in the basement, uh, but um, where his study is across the hall, we're in the fellowship hall and preparing to go out and pray for the community. So we've been sending people out, uh, usually a dozen people each week, and uh, going out to um, uh, to just pray over Jackson. So mm-hmm. that's been good. And Evan's been helping with that. So sure. it's been good. Good times. Good times. So anyway, opportunities you can be involved. And, uh, and so hope you'll hope you'll take advantage of those opportunities. Obviously, every Sunday at nine o'clock, we have Bible study here in every place. I lead a study at the bridge called Holy Grounds, where you get some nice exotic coffee uh, that I never drink and donuts that I never eat. But there are a nice selection of donuts and coffee. Uh, so please come and be a part and or you can come to the main campus for Bible study there. But uh, we will um, deal with all that we learned from the reading of God's word when we return here to Understanding Jesus. Should we still follow the Old Testament law? How should we interpret prophecies? Have you ever had a passage of the Bible you just couldn't understand? If that's you, then I want to personally invite you to our study called How to Study the Bible, beginning April 19th at 6 p.m. In this study, we will study what the Bible is and how we can interpret different genres, styles, and contexts of the biblical authors. This study will give you new tools, tips, and training that will help you in your personal study of Scripture. If you have any questions, please contact the church office. I hope to see you there. what really stood out to us in the reading this week. And we got quite a bit to share, so we're going to get right underway. And we're going to crank it out with, uh, what's your name again? Clayton. Yeah. That is <laughs> the guy over there. The yeah. guy you hired. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Clayton. Yeah, I just say this. <laughs> Today, uh, we were saying, uh, my wife was telling my daughter, um, hey, uh, Clayton took your dad to work. And she's like, mom, his name's Jordan. And as she said, she said, no, Clayton. And she goes, Mom, Clayton's here with me. <laughs> she goes, no, the Clayton that works at the Work church. Clayton. Obviously yeah. not your Clayton who's yeah. in another country. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did not fly over here and take your dad to work? Yeah. But, and we were not getting the two of them confused. But yeah. anyway. Y'all got to sort that out. But at the same time, <clears throat> when she mentioned Clayton, when she said Clayton, my granddaughter was like, oh, Daddy. And I was like, nope, wrong nope. one. Yeah. <laughs> also wrong. So anyway. Yeah. So Clayton, share with us yeah. what you found. Which is funny. <laughs> growing up, I mean, I knew another Clayton growing yeah. up, but. Now that, I mean, your son is Clayton, we have Clayton Powell who goes mm-hmm. here. Like, there's yeah. so many of us. I know quite a few as well. Yeah. Oh. Clay, his <clears throat> name's Clay, though, right? It's not Clayton. Short. Clay. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Have to, okay. Yeah. But yeah. anyway. Anyways. Right. <laughs> uh, so, First Samuel 8 and 9. This is Israel's demand for a king, and then subsequently Saul being chosen as that king. Yes. Um, which, you know, know this story before, um, have read it, but. I said, just, I was telling you before the podcast, I'd picked up on some stuff and I just want to run it by you. So this is my reflection and my question all in one. Oh, wow. A two, a two for one. A two for. And so I I could be completely wrong in this and I'm perfectly okay admitting that if it is, but I wanted to run it by you and see what y'all thought. So first Samuel eight, it's Israel's demand for a king. And, um, you know, they're, they're ending the period of the judges and they're not happy with that. and um, they finally get to the end, verse 19, and they say, you know, we want a king over us like everybody else. He mm-hmm. says, 
Then we'll be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us, go out before us, and fight our battles. Um, so originally I was just going to talk about how our our leadership as a group, as a church, as a country, our leadership always is a reflection of who we really are. Mm-hmm. If we want to know who we are, look at our leaders. Um, I was going to go down that path, but I started to pick some stuff up when I read this verse. So he says, our king will judge us, go before us, and fight our battles. And I went, that sounds like Exodus. Mm-hmm. That sounds like the Lord going before them, fighting their battles, um, being their judge. So I said, huh. So I kept reading, and then you get into 9, where they anoint Saul as king. Um, and you get down to chapter 9, verse 16. And this is what Samuel said. At this time tomorrow, I will send you a man. Or this is what God says, sorry. Uh, at this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will save them from the hand of the Philistines because I have seen their affliction, the affliction of my people, and their cry has come to me. And I go, mm. that sounds like Exodus. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going, okay, wait a minute. Um, and then eventually you get to, um, oh, I'm sorry. I even go into chapter 10. You go into chapter 10. We'll allow it. Verse 18 and 19. <laughs> terribly sorry. Um, 10 verse 18 and 19. So where does 18 start? And he said to the Israelites, um, this is Sam, this is Samuel. This is what the Lord God says. I brought you out of Egypt and I rescued you from the power of the Egyptians and all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. You said to him, you must set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and your clans. And so they, they get to Saul. So I go, okay, I, I think, and we're talking about this Wednesday night to pick up on patterns. Mm-hmm. It seems like maybe the author for Samuel, who I guess is Samuel, um, is trying to allude us back to another story. Mm-hmm. And it must be the story of the Exodus in Egypt that um, the Lord heard their cries. They're, asked, they're demanding, God, deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. And God right. says, okay, I've heard you. I'm going to do it. However, I'm going to bring you out, but you're going to have to go through the wilderness to get to where I'm going to take you. And so this is my question. Could Saul's reign be viewed as the kingly wilderness and David's reign because Christ comes from the line of David be the promised land? Hmm. Wow. Um, because, because he gives them what they want, but then they realize, oh, what you're asking for isn't quite what you thought it was going to be. But the Lord is going to give you a good king. He's going to give you David. Yeah. And more than that, he's going to give you Christ from the line of David. Hmm. Who's going to be the ultimate prophet, priest, and king? Yeah. Or could um, David be the wilderness king, and uh, and Solomon <clears throat> be the Joshua who actually took him into that promised place since he completed the temple? Well, in all fairness, Maybe. because yeah. because it's forty. It's actually a, David's reign is literally a forty-year reign. Yeah. And. Uh, and David is not allowed to go yeah. into the, the complete temple just as Moses was not allowed either. So. Yeah. So you don't think, so do you see those parallels? I do like see the parallels. Are, yeah. I see the pattern. Yeah. We talked about patternism yeah. the other day. I do see that pattern. And, uh, and I would, I am more inclined. I think that's one of the reasons why, because Moses would not have been God's, um, uh, defunct or whatever is not his default. I'm trying to think of the word. Saul was God saying, this isn't what I had for you. Mm. And Moses was the one that mm-hmm. he had appointed. Mm. So, I, so I would yeah. more put David and Moses mm. in the, as far as, for as the prophet role, you have mm. uh, Moses filling his role. And then, and then if you go King role, uh, I would say, you know, David and then, and then Solomon, mm. um, just, uh, I mean, just my own observation there, but the, mm. uh, is setting the stage for it. And, um, yeah, I, I, but I do see the, I do see the parallel. I, I, I think that uh, one of, the, because there is a, I think Saul, uh, Saul's a tough one, because you have a God clearly saying this is who I want you to select, but him also clearly saying this is not going to be the right guy. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all going to be. So I'm not sure I would connect the wilderness with, uh, with uh, Saul. As far as a true parallel, I mean, there's just some breakdowns in that well, I, yeah. in that connection. I mean, we could see it as a general parallel where when we do something that's not within God's, um, I mean, very specific instruction, 
Um, yeah. He gives them specific instruction. They don't follow it correctly. And then there's punishment that follows. So in the wilderness, right. we see the punishment. Even in Saul, we see the punishment. So, I mean, I think I, we can see that parallel. I don't know if it's... Yeah, we, we also have that in... Uh, in all over. In, yeah. yeah, we have we had the breakdown of the kingdom you know, after the after Solomon and so forth and, and, the, and the breaking apart of the tribes and so forth. And yeah. So it's, it's not that it, there's not that. I'm just saying that uh, I think that uh, there is a... Um, what was your what was your and and you're leaning forward to the line of Christ from all that? Well, eventually that would be the David that David and essentially Christ from David is the ultimate promised land mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. through the through the a kind of a royal aspect a, a kingship aspect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we know we know David to be a um, Jesus was the true and better David because he's the the better and true king. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar to Moses, uh, where he's the true and better prophet. Mm. That, but I mean, God was saying like, you don't need a king. I'm your king. Right. And they're saying, no, we want to, we want to, we want a king, like everybody else has. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, fine, I'll give you what you want. It obviously it ends up splitting the kingdom. It shows uh, what you're asking for doesn't work. So the the physical earthly king that you're asking for, I'm actually going to come and be that for you, mm. eventually. And that's what Christ ends up doing. And he ends mm-hmm. up being reigning in heaven and earth. Now that, I mean, I do see the. Um, and I'm hitting the table again. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. You, but but uh, thank it, you for trying. It's just gonna happen. It you is gonna. I just, I've just succumbed to it. Yeah. Just, you need a board on your. On I your do. Arm. I talk with my hands. Yeah. I, I, and the reason I'm, I'm just. Uh, I told you not to throw this on me, right? As we're doing the podcast, but the, but you decided you were going to, so that's okay. I just thought uh, that'd you, be you more interesting. Well, the, the, the reason why I think that I hesitate is because I do see that Jesus. Uh, I do see that the scriptures lays out that Jesus is a promised land person, but there, there are so many other uh, ways of seeing that in that in the parallel between Moses and Jesus, uh, in that you have um, the children of Israel going into Egypt, and then the time of their slavery being connected in two different ways. Could be the years of silence uh, between the prophets and the and the coming of Christ. Uh, could be the time of that we're in right now that we we had mm-hmm. Jesus coming the the forever uh, or the already not yet tension that we're giving right here right now waiting for him to come as our deliverer and so we're absolutely connections to the reign of Christ with uh, with the um, taking us into the promised land just um, not sure that Saul would be parallel with a wilderness wandering and David becoming that promised land fulfillment that's the only part I'm. I would have to I would have to wade through that a little bit, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. And I knew that was kind of a that was kind of me putting some implications in my head together that I didn't yeah. know. The parallels I was pretty confident I was seeing those the right way that I was seeing parallels to the Exodus yeah. in this passage. Now, what to exactly do about it? Definitely, that's what I want to ask you about definitely the parallel of what Samuel is saying about yeah. about the king and deliver. And I've heard the cries of my people and so forth, and I'm responding to their cries. Um, I um yeah. I I don't yeah. know the the I think the challenge is that um we uh, um hmm the other thing I think is really yeah. cool with I, I, yeah with, go ahead no go ahead I was gonna say the other thing I think is really cool with that parallel with Exodus to First Samuel here is that we have um and this is the thing I think makes you know people will say that I know this isn't true but you know people will say that you can split up the Old and New Testament or whatever I. I think one of the big values of the Old Testament that we have with with the long term of of, of Jesus or of God interacting with us mm-hmm. before Jesus is um, is just clearly on the stage in in the New Testament and which is really a, a short period of time that we have documented there comparatively. Right. And so when we see something like Exodus paralleling to First Samuel, which is a very significant time period apart, um, you have sorry, it's gonna keep buzzing, um, but. You have a very. I think it's cool how we have those parallels because we see the consistency of God's character between the two two eras. Right. Time. Right. And I and I the thing that but the thing that did stand out to me as I mentioned earlier is that um, one is the forty year connection because I I see you know but but it is more of what it would be how would you define us being in the promised land Mm -hmm. and uh, and I and I and I had not so you mentioned it now he had thought. In terms of the temple being established, that that is to me has a greater similarity in that uh, that Moses was able to come up to the cusp 
of where yeah. they were supposed to be. Just like David was able to come to this cusp of the yeah, temple. Yeah, I, I could see that. And then, yeah. and then Solomon were able to take him in. So they had more of a – David Solomon has more of a Moses-Joshua kind of feeling. But that's drawing the connection with those men, mm. not necessarily with what's actually happening with the nation of Israel. Right, right. Yeah, because Saul uh, is, uh, is hard to draw a uh, – because God does say – uh, I don't, this isn't what I really wanted. Uh, I, I'm giving you something, but not, I mean, Saul's a quandary because God chooses him and this is the guy I want. And you ask yourself, why, why would you choose the wrong one? Oh. <laughs> and, and, and as an, as an act of judgment and, uh, and it's kind of like, I'm going to give you this. Um, it's almost like the baby that died for David and Bathsheba. You know, it's kind of like an act of judgment. Yeah. Like, I'm going to let you have a child, but the child's going to die. And uh, the uh, and it's, it's like, wow, that's uh, well, this harsh. Is a, this is also where we have to understand as Christians that, that what we desire isn't always the same as what God does in, yeah. in, in God's word and, and even now. Like that we, when we desire for something to happen and we ask God to do those things, certain things we can fully expect God to work mm-hmm. in. Um, but other things, we have to understand that our consequences do have actions, and the things that we choose to do— Our actions do have consequences. Actions do have consequences—yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, yeah. Our actions do have consequences, but mm-hmm. also God has set things in place very specifically that, that when things take place— and maybe it may not be as specific as a baby dying due to something that's happened yeah. with David, but— but and God made that clear. Yes. This is what's going to happen. Yeah, it's very. This is that's a unique situation. Mm-hmm. But um, But God is completely righteous in the things that he does. So even when we— don't understand why um, something happens. Right. Yeah. It's, exactly. And, and yeah. that's the, and that's why I said that's why it's a quandary is because you have the people demanding a king, God expressing that this, they're going to get that they're becoming like the other nations around him, that it's not something that's in line with his will, but he is going to grant them the king that they are crying out for. There are going to mm-hmm. be consequences that he spells out. This is what the king's going to demand of you, and so forth, and all these different things. Uh, I'm going to. You don't mind? I'm going to bridge into go right ahead because it comes right after that in First yeah. Samuel chapter 10. It says, "So they ran and brought him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller. This is them finding Saul. He was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people.' So all the people shouted and said, 'Long live the king!'" Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. It, the, the, how this is all unfolding is, it's, uh, one, he picks the man that everybody thinks should be king. He goes, look, you can just look at this guy. He's and tall. See, he's, it's the complete opposite. Of what happens when God chooses David? Right. Because Samuel goes, well, here's a tall one, here's a tall one, here's a tall one. He's like, nope, don't want any of those. Give me the short kid out in the field, and the young one, the ruddy one, bring him in. That's who we're going to anoint as king, because that's the person I've chosen. And and but this time, it's just the. I mean, God, it's it's like God is clearly saying, I'm giving you what you want, but not what you need. Mm-hmm. And and I and this is just simply for educational purposes only uh let us all go through this exercise together give them a solemn warning of here's here's what's going to happen here's how this is going to go wrong mm-hmm. and so forth and but here's the here's the part that is really telling Saul didn't choose to be king mm-hmm. it wasn't like he came out and said I really want to do this or whatever uh he was picked out everything that's getting ready to happen to him he did not solicit this for himself he was anointed by God he was called out and anointed for a task that he was destined to fail in. That's a that's a tough thing to take away, because uh, but what it what it reveals is that uh, is, is something that we see even now. So many men of God, I mean, and women too, but I'm going to highlight on men, men who are called out to serve Him, only so that they crack under pressure, only to see that when it gets that God is just revealing, this is what they're and 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 part of me has to take away from that that. When things like that, he's really just because uh, this is true in every in every instance where God does this in Scripture. God already knows what's going to happen, so you, your takeaway is that He is revealing to the people involved, "This is what I knew that you obviously don't know. Right. I'm showing you what's in there that you don't think is in there, but it is in there." And and so He takes this man and the people at the same time, showing the people, "This is what you think you want, but it's really not what you want." 
And I think for Saul, too, I think it's kind of like I think Saul reveals as he serves in this role that he really wants to be king, that this is what he really desires. And that once he gets it, it's like, I don't really need God anymore because I really all I really want, all I really needed God for is to get me in this role. And now mm. now I know exactly because he didn't he wasn't humble before God. He was obviously like, ah, I'll do it this way. Look, ah, God said this. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not sure why we long for that higher calling why we want more but here's the reality if you long for it and it becomes almost idolatrous in your life god may give it to you and then he's going to reveal here's why i didn't think you were ready for this in the first place here's why you probably should not have said um you know we we and this is what i wrote we need to focus on the task at hand on on our daily discipline on our reliance upon the Lord, upon our need for him and never lose sight of that because everything that unfolded in Saul's life after that was just a a continual, um, okay, God says this, but I've thought about it. And I think it's better to do this. Mm -hmm. When you look at, if you take that fast forward to today and look at people in ministry and in, and people who have been entrusted with a lot, it really comes down to two types of people, those who have humility and those who serve with pride and those who serve with pride Absolutely. I've heard it so many times. And it and you almost cringe inside when you hear it. It's almost like, yeah, I mean, like we were talking about today. Yeah, I know the Bible says that, but I'm going to do it this way. And you're mm-hmm. like, that's just, that's not going <clears> to <throat> end well. That's not going to work out because God's going to, you are inviting God to say, huh. Is that you, right? Is that yeah. right? Is there, you, you, you think you know better than me in this. And so yeah. it's like, well, let's, let's well, just and, see. And where do we draw the line? Yeah, you well, they're, exactly. We're drawing the lines. Yeah. That's the whole point. Is yeah. we're, we're, we're saying... The line is no longer at... Yeah. The Bible says this, and right. thus we do what the Bible says. If we then draw a line, I mean, at that point, we can go wherever we want. The line yeah. can be as loosey-goosey as we want in different areas. Which it is for yeah. people in that, in that yeah. mindset. And yeah. that's, and that's why they, you can't be, they can't be trusted. Yeah. They can't trust themselves. Yeah. At what point do things that are as blatant as murder become just consistent within our, within our culture? Yeah. Um, and... And and not that not that that's that's everywhere for us, but but it becomes just so obvious that things are not healthy or good for or for culture, and we yeah. allow them to just fester. So. Yeah, David, the, you can tell the difference between Saul's heart and David's heart in that David, um, David when he did sin, and was trying to cover up his sin, he's the only reason he's trying to cover up his sin is because he knows he's it's like he's <laughs> right. He's gone down a bad path, and he's trying to make it work or and, and to protect himself. Yet he knows the whole time it's, um, I mean, and tries to tries to make himself out to be like Saul, mm. but God doesn't leave him there. He doesn't let him, and Nathan the prophet comes. And Saul, it, it, I mean, in the same types of com- confrontations that Saul had, Saul killed him. He, had, he would have had Nathan killed. I mean, you, you just know it, just by the character of Saul versus the character of David. Whereas when Nathan confronts David, it was like <sighs> Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. It's like right. wow, I'm just I'm I'm dead before God, and so that's the difference between being a man. It wasn't that one was right more righteous than the other; is that one had a heart heart for God and the other didn't. Right. One had a heart for himself. Right. Uh, which is why the spirit of God. Uh, anyway, the spirit left Saul. But uh, before you take off in Luke, I wanted to share something from Luke 21:34 through 36. I know, Evan, you have something from Luke where he says, "But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life." And that day come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And, and a couple of things are happening. Jesus is, is both alluding to the last days and our need to remain steadfast. He's also just kind of looking forward to the disciples as they're going to be in Gethsemane and they're going to fall asleep and, and not stand fast and uh, and just showing that which is, again, him revealing to them, even though Peter was so dogmatic, I will never, this will never happen. I will never be this person. Uh, he absolutely is that person. Yeah. Um, but when Jesus began to describe the last days, it's one thing to always keep in the back of our mind. First of all, it's impossible to be specific, uh, to have a specific timeline. Anybody who puts timelines together and says this is when these things are going to happen, uh, they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. There is, We do not have any type of specific timeline. God doesn't give those dates to us. 
I mean, we all know the passage where Jesus says, I remember some guy saying, well, Jesus said we don't know the day or the hour, but it doesn't say we don't know the month or the wow. week. And I'm like, that, wow, that's so out of context. But uh, it's it sounds as though everything is going to happen soon and very soon. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. I think we all have That heard song that. just yeah, popped yeah. in my head. Yeah, exactly. So, I heard too. Uh, but it, it seems like that. And we have to remind ourselves that the Gospels were written. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with this timeline. I, I think the Gospels were written after the Ascension, after Pentecost, but before the destruction of Jerusalem. Hmm. And so when you're reading the Gospels, I mean, that's that's going to be the timeline I'm going to give because I, I really believe that a lot of the things that are being prophesied are talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And one of the things that I would take away is that I would put Revelation after the destruction, I'm a late revelation person, so I'm going to put revelation after the destruction of Jerusalem. And and this is one of the things. Again, this is just me, since we're just talking about our own speculations. I would, I I think that Jesus is saying, here is what I'm preparing you for here. And the disciples were, as they were writing the gospels to the church, are trying to give, say, here's what he warned us was going to happen. Then it happened, and then God, then John is like, uh, well. I, I, God's given me a new word for what's going to happen next, and that's why we have the revelation. Because I could, when you read Revelation, you could imagine if you could only imagine after the fall of Rome, you're like, well, he should be here. I mean, it would really seem like that. Right. It's like, what, what more could happen than the temple's just been destroyed, the walls right. have been torn down, we've all been cast out of Jerusalem. Uh, it's completely destroyed, you know, and now Rome is reigning, you know, obviously the Antichrist is in power and all these things are present and everything that we have been prophesied has been foretold. Uh, so now what? And it's like at that point, God's like, okay, here's the the revelation you need to get you to uh, 2023. Uh, so at least to this point, it's a, which is what we have, uh, which he's saying, okay, yes, what happened happened. Uh, but there is yet more to come. I think the only, I don't know, the only people I can think of that really support a pre-fall of Jerusalem revelation are preterist, and I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm not in that camp, so it's easy for me. I don't, I don't think there's, I think there's way too much evidence to show that that, um, that everything in Revelation is not talking about AD 70, but, um, but anyway, that's, that's what I got on there. Cool. Well, mine's a completely different vein, so I'm, I don't even have a transition. <laughs> okay. um, some some weeks we got that. It is in the next chapter. It is the next chapter, so that's my transition. There you go. Um, verses 39 to 46 of chapter 23, 20, no, 22. And um, I'll just read that. I'm in the English Standard Version, and then we'll go from there. So, and Jesus came out and went, as his custom, uh, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and, his, and the, the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And began, um, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like, uh, like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So um, there's a couple of things I want to highlight here and I want to kind of discuss John uh, this John 16-ish um, for just a moment. But um, in here, I, I think it's really cool that we have this picture of Christ praying. Um, that he's praying to the Father and, and um, he's, he's being an example for his, his disciples, but also for us. It says it's his custom, so I assume he does this. He didn't just do this once and that he would he would um, go out and he would um, that he would pray and that he would um, ask of ask of God things um, in the same way that we should. And um, he kneels down, he prays, and he he um, he steps away from his from his disciples, but he is still near them. So he's being an example for them in, in what he's doing. But he's but he's praying and asking of God um, things and asking for His will to be done. And um, similar to um, to even in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer um, that we've we've got the example of that. And then. Um, and then also, uh, and the end of it obviously becomes a little bit different than the way that we would experience things where it talks about sweat becoming like great drops of blood. But I think it's a good example of that, that when we know that things are, are coming and we're praying for them to go well, um, I think of even just in having confrontation with other people or, or praying for, um, for, um, situations to go in a way that is, 
is um, graceful to other people around us or, or just careful, trying to prepare ahead of time our, our own hot, hard posture and for God to prepare the person that we're going to have um, discussions with or, or events that we're going to go to. Even, I, I'm sure, Pastor Troy, that you take time to pray before you, you speak um, on Sundays and things like that. Like before, we're, when we're in preparation for things to happen, um, we have to take time to pray and, and ask God to do the work, not for us to do it. And so even in this situation, we have, we have Christ who is God, um, who's going and he's preparing ahead of time him, himself to go and, and do the work that has to be done. He knows what's to come. He knows that, that he is going to um, be taken. He's going to be killed for um, the sins of everyone um, that is to believe in him. And um, so at this point, he's praying and asking for God to, um, to prepare for that work, but also um, asking him that if it's his will to take it away. Um, so in the same way, we need to ask for the same thing. Um, that I think that it's so easy for us. Um, and Pastor Troy, it's the same thing we talked about uh-huh. last week and then um, in your sermon last week, too, just about how we, um, in preparing for things to happen, um, many times we'll pray once um, or pray for the event to happen the first time around, then we'll drop it the next time, or, or we'll, we'll prepare for things sometimes in prayer, and sometimes we think we can do it on our own. And then even in what we were talking about just now about about the Israelites, um, about trusting God in one time and not trusting him in another, we have to understand that that when we ask God to do things, that that it is um, it is us um, preparing ahead of time to give the glory to God. That we're we're asking God to um, do these things through us. That we are allowed to work within these, but but that um, that we're not doing the works and we're not doing the anything great. That it's really God who's doing them through us. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just thought it was a cool opportunity to highlight prayer and the value of it. Um, if um, I mean, for people who are listening, if you're if you're not in prayer for things to happen, um, you uh, usually it, it comes down to a, a lack of understanding of of God's control over all things that He um, in us asking Him to do things that it's it's us asking Him to um, to do these things through us and, and to allow us to be um, part of these things, but also that um, if we aren't asking these things of the Lord, then we are um, that we're um, in some ways, trying to be prideful and, and take away from the um, the work that God's doing, rather than um, the work that uh, we're, we're thinking that we can do the work without Him. And um, as Christians, we should understand that that there's no work that can be done without the Lord. So um, yeah, that's really all I had to say. I, I was going to also mention that um, in John 17, I, said, I think I said 16 earlier, but in 17 we have that example of the high priestly, high priestly prayer, which is. I believe the same prayer, um, but it's in the garden, but it's, um, it is a lot different in the account. So the account in mm-hmm. Luke is more of a, this is what happened. This is how it transpired. And this was the, kind of the outcome. So we see that he's, he's sweating great drops of blood. We, we kind of get the visual picture of what's going on in John 17. We have a little bit different picture and we're going to get to that in a few weeks, but mm-hmm. John 17, we have, we have the prayer itself, um, as opposed to the, the kind of the documentation of, of a play-by-play, instead we get um, an account that's a little bit more personal, um, which is pretty pretty similar for, to most of John's writing here in in his book. But um, anyway, I I think I, I'll probably hi- try to highlight that when we get around to it. But um, I think the high priestly prayer is really cool because um, it it has a couple different roles that that Jesus plays here um, within the high priestly prayer in John 17, where he has um, where he is um, teaching through his prayer. He's he's leading and he's He's giving an example, but it, but his prayer is um, it's it's very specific, and it's um, I I think it's just really cool because we see that the Lord or Jesus in the, in this passage is not um, he knows exactly what's about to happen, and he's praying specifically for the things that are are going to happen. Um, even in the first um, the first uh, verse here, we see uh, Father, the hours come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, and um, in the same way, like. Like when we pray for God to do things through us, um, uh, we ask for him, us to be um, glorifying Him through the things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I didn't really have anything else to add, but but I just thought it'd be cool to highlight prayer through that. Yeah, I was just paying attention. I was something I was curious about while you were talking is that um, Luke's the only one that mentions the angel that comes to help mm-hmm. Jesus, and I was just wondering if that was because Luke is uh, gathering facts after the fact. Versus being present, and that was something that maybe was revealed to them. Well, in mine, in mine, it's bracketed. Is it bracketing? Mm-hmm. Meaning, mm. earliest manuscripts don't have that verse. I, wow, mine's not bracketed. Yeah, mine's not either. Verses in, forty-three and forty-four. Yeah, usually, yeah. usually mine bracket stuff. 
Yeah, let me see if it's highlighted though, and it's not even highlighted. Is yours not even down here? No, yeah. mine does a. What version uh, are you looking at? That's bracketed. Yeah. Sure. Oh, it says it down here. Uh, HCSB. It says some manuscripts. It doesn't say earliest. It says some manuscripts. Usually, whenever this mine. HCSB. Oh, okay. There mine... you go. Okay, I see it now. Yeah, there you go. Other yeah. manuscripts omit 43 and 44. Yeah. 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 Now, now mine usually, if it's early manuscripts omit it, then it either brackets it or moves it and sets it at the bottom. Right, and mine's yeah. bracketed. That's why it makes me think it's. It doesn't. Maybe it means. Maybe it's not early. Does it say earlier or is it other? Mine says when other, the note says other. other, but it was just bracketed, and every other bracket, like with John eight, yeah, is what it I would say. Said. Mine's not bracketed. Usually, if it's bracketed in the CSB, it's it is, is earlier. I know I'm using CSB. I mean, so it was I HCSB though. I know, which so is the same thing. I mean, they just it's an event. They just don't make the HCSB. Yeah. it's a revision. They clearly took out the the parentheses. They took out the brackets. And now the King James revision. people have more fuel to the fire. Ah, uh, we don't worry about the well, King James people. Okay, all right. Anyway, that's something I'll have to look into. I'll have to check that out. But I did wonder if it was... It does seem like something that was added. I mean, it doesn't... It, it, it's, it very much feels parenthetical. It does. Side note. Yeah, side note. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. We don't worry about the King James people yeah. over here. But even even if it was a... Even if it was in in very early manuscripts that it would have been parenthetical. I, meaning that mm. something that was... By the way. Oral tradition passed along. Yeah. And, and Luke would be the place for that. If it would be any, because mm-hmm. it was, and, and it's a tough, it's like Acts, you know, people's, because Acts doesn't really have an ending. I mean, in one certain mm. thinking, because it just progresses along through the church, but, right. uh, which is the whole point of the Acts 29 movement. But the, mm-hmm. uh, but the, but in Luke is, is if you were, if you were bringing facts together and not telling, it's like, you know, later it's like, uh, oh, wait. Here's something. Here's something you forgot. I, re- I was reading your gospel, and uh, hey, I, was, I wanted to add to that story. And you, know, oh, you see right. what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, hey, yeah, okay, I'll have my all scribe right. throw that in there. So confuse people from you know hundreds from years now. <laughs> from now, they'll all be like, so they can bracket is that bracketed it then, yeah, or not bracketed? Talk about or, it. What do we do with that? Mm. Uh, anyway, okay. Well, cool. All right. Is that it, guys? Good. Good. Yeah. Everybody's mm-hmm. good. Okay. We'll do some questions. Got some questions. More questions. If for Samuel and maybe elsewhere uh, when we return. My name is Dr. Matthew Tanner, and I just want to speak for a few seconds to any pastor who has been unjustifiably terminated or forced to resign the pastorate in their church. There is a resource that you need to get your hands on called The Wounded Pastor. This is a story that comes out of my story and the stories of 30 or so other pastors who have walked this path, the same path that you're walking now. So if you've been through this or you have a family member that has been through this unfortunate phenomenon, this book will help you understand exactly what's going on, how it may have taken place in your church, but most importantly, will lead you on a four-step process on how you can heal and become a better, stronger, healing leader. So go to woundedleadership.com where you can get your hands, you can find out about me, the ministry, and you can get your hands on The Wounded Pastor. You'll also be able to find the link for the book on Amazon and all about it. So do not suffer by yourself. Do not walk this path by yourself. Go get the book and find your way to healing. part of our podcast where we take a moment to answer some questions that arise in the reading sometimes sometimes they're not in the reading but and they're just good questions but today they are from the reading and we'll start with uh evan what'd you got all right well i'm going to just read the passage it's okay. real short so uh luke 22 35 to 38 says and he said to them when i sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals did you lack anything they said nothing he said to them but now let no one or let the one who has a money bag, take it, like and likewise a knapsack, and let one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with trans transgressors. Wait, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, there are two swords. And let uh, and he said to them, It is enough. So, I um have a couple questions on this, and the biggest one. So he. So he talks about the sword in, in verse uh, 36, right. and he talks about it at the end. Um, so, and 
I, I had a, a couple questions um, mm-hmm. to go with that. So um, this may be irrelevant, but mm-hmm. um, in the Old West, um, one of the reasons that we call the second seat in the in a car the shotgun seat right. um, is because they would have the second guy ride along in the in the carriage coach with a shotgun. Right. Anybody mm-hmm. gets in the way, they shoot him before Correct. before they get a chance to stop him. And, right. Um, so anyway, my my question is, is this similar to that where um, they are traveling along? You know, there might be dangers. We even have the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the reason that there we have the parable, the beginning, the reason that the end of the story happens is because the beginning of the story happens where the guy got robbed and beaten up by right. by robbers. So is is that the purpose of the two swords and the emphasis that we have on the sword here? Um, well, the emphasis passage? on the sword, you are correct. Yeah. And the the two sword deal is just simply the disciples really not understand what Jesus is talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have two things taking place at the same time. It's not Jesus saying, "Hey, there's two swords. Grab those swords, guys, and let's get out of here." Now he's he's starting by saying, "This is this is what's getting ready to happen," and this is kind of to kind of give you an idea. We're we're moving from, "Hey, remember when I told you not to be prepared? You're going to a time when you need to be prepared. We are going to be these wayfarers. We are going to be these people who are counted amongst the lawless. People are not going to be hospitable to us any longer. Mm-hmm. And so that time that's is done. And so it basically just kind of uh, the sword was just, as you said, it was uh, not necessarily shotgun in, in the car for, uh, you know, but yeah, for protection. Right. Uh, just but but also to be taken in context with everything else he's just said. Not he's not talking about where we're getting to go, ready to go right now. Once you take a sword, in case there's some guys who attack us, so we can take them out with swords. But more of just uh, just a a general um, uh, means of preparation uh, for this is something they would have been familiar, a, a saying they would have been familiar with. This is this is what you do mm-hmm. when you're become when you're going out, and these are the things you have with you, and so forth. And mm-hmm. so Jesus is not saying, you know, I want you to go out and kill people. He's saying. Mm-hmm. These are things you want to have with you, or just you know, have your money back. You know, from you heard we said this before, and now he's saying now, uh, now you do take a money bag, now you do have a traveling bag, and if you don't have a, a sword, you sell your robe and you buy one. Just saying, this is, you know, that we, you want the essentials of traveling, and uh, get rid of the extra stuff that you have in order to make sure that you're ready. It's all yeah. metaphorical. Yeah. And the disciples. Just kind of like the when he would talk about yeast and so forth, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, he must be talking about bread or whatever, and and they're like, oh, here's two swords, and it's like, yeah, uh, whatever, and uh, <laughs> and so they grab two. Obviously, there's eleven of them, <laughs> so two's two's not necessarily sufficient for a battle. I think if, if you were really emphasizing, hey, we got some guys coming after us, it's like uh, Jesus would have kind of understood there's probably going to be an army coming. Yeah. So get get your friends, mm-hmm. get a bunch of stuff together, let's arm up. And so forth. So that's not what he's talking about. I think yeah. because I know people have expressed, well, it's very confusing that Jesus would tell Peter to take a sword and then tell him not to use it. And it's like, well, if you look back at the text, he never told Peter to take a sword. In fact, he never specified who had the sword. Uh, there were just two swords there. The disciples said, here are two swords. And he just simply said, that'll do. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like um, I think of like. I mean, we can all imagine, like, at VBS, you say, yeah. um, it's snack time, but we're about out of snacks. Maybe someone makes a joke, and the kid holds up a sandwich and says, I got a peanut butter sandwich. And they were like, yeah, ah, okay, yeah. cool, good. Very yeah. good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, um, and like, um, I, that's how I imagine that to go. Yeah. Maybe maybe the little kid example, maybe it's yeah. a little bit unfair yeah. to the disciples, but. Or it could be, I mean, and, or you could take it completely differently, and that he's just simply saying, that is enough, meaning. Shut up! Yeah, that's, that's enough. enough. That's yeah. enough. Stop, whatever. You know, just that almost that uh, eye roll of. <sighs> are we doing this again? I have you know, trouble. Do you imagine, have, do you I, have yeah. no idea what I'm talking about. I have trouble imagining that that's the breakdown of that one. But I. Well, I mean, it it it, it lends itself either way. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Because Jesus, um, kind of an OE of little faith kind of comment. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Just. Sure. Uh, that's enough. Let's let's. That's. Uh, I mean, you can almost imagine them getting into a conversation about swords, and uh, Jesus <laughs> is going, "All right, okay, that's enough. Let's let's go," because um, they left right after that. Sure. So well, the conversation. He's, came he's preparing for the worst part of his, his ministry. Yeah. For him, so the, the yeah. most victor, victorious part as well, but right. The most the, difficult. The, the main thing is understand he was not telling them to take swords so that Peter cut the head off of that guy. So the ear. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
the I, the way it was always described to me is that the reason why he would have cut his ear off is because he was trying to take his head off. Right. And just didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. Well, how are you gonna? I that it would make no sense for somebody to just cut off an ear. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he was aiming for the ear. Well, if I take his ear. Yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you. Earless Joe. Yeah. Okay. What was your question, Clayton? Mine is from Luke twenty-one twenty-four. Um, the verse says, uh, "These are Jesus' words. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led." No pun. Uh, no connection to the previous statements. Yeah. Okay. They will sorry. fall on the edge of the sword. Lots of sword things. And be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So my question is, what mm. is the times of the Gentiles? What do you think? I, I'm curious on your take on that one. I, I I don't know. I suppose, I mean, being trampled by the Gentiles, that's got to be talking about the Romans mm-hmm. destroying Jerusalem. Right. Um. So until the times are fulfilled, so you'll be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled until that happens? Yeah. Uh, or till uh, the times of the Gentiles, could that be the Roman Empire? Could be now. Yeah. Um, I mean, Virgin, obviously. Virgin yeah. House. I mean, the, um, yeah. What do you think, Kevin? What do you got? Well, I, I was going to say, we're, we're Gentiles. Yes. So, I mean, my. Well, and, yeah, well stated. I mean, are, are we not? No, I'm saying. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I was yeah. just thinking it was obvious, but. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, well, the time of the Gentiles, um, I mean, I our time today is being fulfilled by, by Christ, yeah. hopefully whenever he comes and our time will be fulfilled as Gentiles. Yeah. I, 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 I have a feeling, I mean, I, my, my impression is that he is talking about Rome, that, mm. that he's talking about the, the time of, because that's who he would have, that's who the Gentiles would have been in there in that, and when this is being said, right. That that's how, uh, you know, when you're, and you're doing this, you're doing Bible interpretation. You're always looking at who are they talking to and how would that audience have understood it. Right. And uh, and I think that's how they would have understood it, that he's absolutely talking about the Gentiles that are now taking us captive. And he's like, this is mm-hmm. um, this is what's – and they're going to be led captive in all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled until their time is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and, I, and that's pretty true. Uh, so if you, if you look at it at Rome, um, yeah. I, I think I'll leave it at that. I, I could I could go on to so I was right. my cyclical thing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I was wrong in First Samuel, but I was right about this. I don't say. <laughs> I don't think I, that's not the, my takeaway with First Samuel. I think either. I, you know this is what I was thinking about the thing in First Samuel is because this is one of the the things I think that uh, and I want to be very careful with this what I'm getting ready to say. But I do think that as we read, the reason why those things do come alive to us is because the Holy Spirit is always drawing a connection to Christ uh, through the word that we are reading. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one of the things that is telling, because we've done this years of going through the Bible each time, that when we read through one time, he may make a connection that we did not have before or and may not have again. We may like, because I'll, I'll look back and think, how did I how did I get that when because I wrote it down and it's like how did I get that when I read that because I don't see that now, but maybe it was what I needed to see at the time mm-hmm. and and I I'm careful about that because I don't want it to make it sound like I can make it say whatever I wanted to say I'm saying that God I think in I think the Scripture is so rich that uh, that there are things within it that are they are true all the time we just don't necessarily. Uh, it doesn't necessarily resonate with us in the same way as it does when we are experiencing different things. Mm-hmm. It's like when you read the story of David and Goliath, I'm not trying to say I'm always David and Goliath is always the big guy, and that's what the story is all about. But it, but it, there are things about Christ that he reveals differently each time that I think are always there, but sometimes I need I need to be reminded of other things at mm-hmm. certain times. And I think the Holy Spirit kind of guides and governs that. That's why I think that conversation is unique in that when you bring up that passage in 1 Samuel, we all see, we're all seeing a connection to Christ and seeing it in different ways. And I don't think there was a wrong there. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think there was a... Yes. Yeah. But well, anyway, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, I because I, um, I think that, uh, I you know, and what do you want me to do? You want me to just say, yeah, it's exactly what you see. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, just a, a, a simple no would have done just fine. But uh, 
<laughs> no, um, no, 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 and that's what I thought. That's why I wanted to run it by y'all. I just, no. I, I, I thought I was making the, the, the first level textual connections. I was confident in those. Yeah. But what to do with that, I wasn't sure. Well, I don't think, I don't think there. It's kind of like, I mean, think of all the things that have been historically. Uh, uh, the thing that comes to my mind, like with Lucifer and you know, and, and Satan fallen, you know, and and when uh, that he's a fallen angel, that he was uh, the the most brightly adorned angel in heaven, and we have this whole concept just for Satan that may or may not be textually right. accurate, right. Uh, but but people have seen it over and over and over again, and then and sometimes you'll read it and you go, oh my goodness, it's right there, I see it, you know, and it's um, we used to always make the comparison to that Japanese 3D art. Do you remember that? Where you would mm. stare at it for hours and, and you would, and every time we would go to the mall, uh, they would, remember when we went to malls? Uh, they had that art, like, malls? they would yeah. have that art out there and you would see couples and it was, it seemed always without fail, including my wife and myself, that one could see it and one is busting the blood vessels in their eyes trying to make <laughs> something happen there and they're and they're they're going oh look there's a there's a, a an eagle and you know in the sky and all these different things and one guy's going i see squiggly lines right. of color you know it's like nothing and uh and that's but that's how it is sometimes when we're looking at a passage that we can strain at it and strain at it and strain at it and not see something but um but then all of a sudden boom there it is yeah mm-hmm. that's me saying hey that's what you get for telling me on the spot <laughs> Here's the passage. You know, that's just thought that would be more interesting. You, and he was, he, I know he was, he was asking me over and over and over before we came up. Like, well, what, you're not going to tell me. That's right. Give me a moment to think so, about it. Well, I just want to see how sharp that uh, quick yard. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what you get. I'm like, uh, I don't see it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I stared at it. That's for all the, right. For the few seconds I had, I stared at it. Okay. I didn't, I didn't you're going to come it. in. You're going to come into the office tomorrow that's and right. go. You know, I was thinking about that. Oh my goodness. I I see it. It's yeah. so clear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Perhaps we'll see. Well, anyway, we'll 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 share that on the next podcast. Yeah. We do. Well, thank you for guys for joining us. We enjoyed uh, our time with you, and we will uh, do this again. Uh, I think we do this pretty much every week. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think we're on planning to take a break this summer, but but for a while, for right now, we're here, and we'll be right here when we do this again on Understanding Jesus. <laughs>